Welcome to the uh, service tonight. We are broadcasting live from Central Florida on a Wednesday night, and we're going to follow up with part two of how to recognize and defeat the spirit of witchcraft, how to recognize, overcome, and defeat, destroy the spirit of witchcraft. Last week, we explained what witchcraft is at its entry level, and witchcraft, I'm going to give a definition of that. Witchcraft is, in its simplest terms, is the attempt to control anybody by any other spirit than the Holy Spirit. It's the attempt to try to influence or control or change people's opinions or decisions or to bring them underneath your decision-making by any other spirit than the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's higher level witchcraft, but the witchcraft we're primarily talking about tonight is the entry level, which is a work of the flesh. And so the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, the prophet Samuel was speaking. He said rebellion, talking about King Saul, who was anointed to be king, but loved the praise of men more than he loved the praise of God. He rebelled against the word of the Lord and he ran ahead of what God was saying. He lost patience and he decided to go do something even though he was anointed, he was appointed. He did not wait on the Lord and so he moved ahead of God and it was rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So rebellion is equal to witchcraft. The Bible says the works of the flesh are evident in Galatians chapter 5. It lists 17 works of the flesh. One of them is witchcraft. So witchcraft at the entry level is a work of the flesh. And if we operate in that work of the flesh, witchcraft is manipulation, intimidation, and domination. So if we try to manipulate, intimidate, or dominate at the entry level, it's a work of the flesh, and the Bible calls it witchcraft. Witchcraft is trying to control or influence any person by anything other than the Holy Spirit. So let's get into this teaching. So witchcraft, the Bible says walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I want to touch on manipulation, intimidation, and domination as we get into this because manipulation is very common. Women and children have a tendency to manipulate more than men. Men have a tendency to intimidate more than women and children. So men will throw their power around, their, their mantle of authority, their voice, they'll get angry, they'll threaten, they'll intimidate. But their goal is to dominate. Women and children, women are the weaker of the sex, they'll have a tendency to manipulate. And they'll try to manipulate without the use of physical force. Jezebel manipulated without the use of physical force and she got somebody killed over their vineyard. So women and children have more of a tendency to manipulate, but their goal also is to dominate. And all you have to do is take a baby that's been 
crying and the mother comes and picks up that child and hugs it and coddles that baby, the baby now loves that touch and the baby now realizes, well, wait a second, if I want to get touched and comforted, all I have to do is cry. That's a form of manipulation. A five-year-old knows that they can get that cookie when the crowd is around at the party, but that child can't get the cookie from mom one-on-one, but she'll wait until a friend is over visiting. Oh, mommy, can I have a cookie? Knowing that mom's not going to turn the child down with the cookie request in front of a friend. So women and children are more likely to manipulate, but their goal is to dominate or control, and men are more likely to intimidate, but their goal also is to control. And at the basis terms and the entry level The Bible calls this witchcraft, a work of the flesh. Now, if it continues on, demons will then come and enhance it from a work of the flesh to a work of the flesh on steroids with a spiritual component that then involves some other things. So now as we get into this teaching, we've given that entry level of witchcraft. So there's three levels of witchcraft. The first level of witchcraft is the carnal man is the works of the flesh. The second level of witchcraft is when demons start to assist us in accomplishing our goal of witchcraft, which is witchcraft is manipulating or intimidating or dominating or trying to influence somebody to come under our control by any other spirit than the Holy Spirit. So the carnal man is the works of the flesh. Number two, devils assisting and empowering men or women. Number three, wickedness in high places. That's principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. There's three levels of spiritual warfare that we encounter. Three levels of spiritual warfare that we encounter. The first level is ground level warfare where we cast out demons. Number two is magical arts, spells, hexes, incantations, voodoo, hoodoo, etc. And the third level is that spiritual wickedness in high places or territorial spirits. And you can find that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. But I want to read something to you tonight from Acts chapter 19. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of the apostle Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I adjure you by Jesus, or I command you by by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Seba were doing this. They were casting out demons in the name of Jesus, who somebody else preached. You can see there's not relationship in operation But instead of relationship, they're just invoking the name of Jesus, which does have authority, even if you don't know him. But when you know him, you have authority over every demon. But if you try to use that name without relationship, a demon might challenge you. And if they do and you're not standing on relationship, you have no backing. You're a Hollywood set that looks good from the front, but... If they huff and puff, they'll blow your house down. Must have relationship. So I drew you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaimed. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Seba were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who 
are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced what? Magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be about 50 thousand pieces of silver so the word of the lord continued to increase and prevail mightily so the first level of spiritual warfare is casting out demons remember they were casting out demons proclaiming over the people that had demons in them the name of jesus i adjure you by the name of jesus whom paul preaches come out so the ground level warfare is casting out demons but then the next level up was magical arts spells hexes voodoo and they began to operate with magical arts incantations what they did is they brought their books together there needs to be some books burned from some people that have played around with some ouija boards and some other things and get those to the cross and burn them don't sell them don't go on ebay and pass on the curse but rather get it in the fire and destroy it. So the first level is ground level warfare, casting out demons. The second level is magical arts, spells, hexes, incantations, voodoo, hoodoo, etc. And the third level is territorial spirits. Now we're going to look down in Ephesus, in, in, in the book of Acts, continuing on, Acts 19, verse 21, there was a riot at Ephesus, and we're going to see how principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places began to swoon and control the people and stir them up so you've got casting out demons you've got magical arts so this is a city that's rife with witchcraft they're worshiping uh a silver god named diana of artemis and they're worshiping this 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 false god now after these events paul resolved in the holy spirit to pass through macedonia and achaia and to go to jerusalem saying after i've been there i must also go to rome and having set on to macedonia to of his helpers Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there was no, there arose no little disturbance. There arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Talking about the way of Christ and Christianity. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades that he said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. When you start dealing with false gods and idols and people make their money off of those false gods and idols, you will disrupt a people who don't want to lose their income even though what they're worshiping is a false god. And they will not only come against you, kick you out of the city, but they might tar and feather you. They might hang you. They might do anything they can to get rid of you. And it will make no logical sense in the natural. Listen to what happened. Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see that and hear that not only in Ephesus, but almost all of Asia, this Paul is persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that the gods made with hands are not gods at all. And there is a danger not only that this trade of ours, making silver statues, 
of Diana of Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged. Why did they get so angry? There's a principality, there's a power, there's a spiritual darkness over the land that controls the people and it's tied to mammon, it's tied to their income. And Paul came and preached Jesus who's raised from the dead, the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And they're about to lose their money over this thing. They're about to lose their income over this preaching of the gospel. And they were enraged and started crying out in unison, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with the confusion and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Erasticus and the Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the uh, Aserachs who were friends of his sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some now cried out another. For the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they'd even come together. Why they're together yelling and screaming and shouting, great as Diana of Artemis of the Ephesians. They don't even know why they're there. Most of them did not know why they'd come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Two hours. They're yelling and screaming this chant. Most of them don't even know why they're there. It's because Paul's preaching Jesus. But it stirred up the people. There was a principality. So casting out demons is ground level warfare. Magical arts is the second level up. And the third level up is spiritual warfare in high places. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, said men of Ephesus, who is there and who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis? and the sacred stone that fell from the sky. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. Paul wasn't even speaking against their goddess, he was just preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. What stirred them up? What moved them in that direction to get wild and crazy over absolutely nothing unless it was a spiritual, warfare moment. I therefore, If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and they're pro-counsel. In other words, take them to court. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it should be settled in the regular assembly for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today since there's no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So there's three levels of spiritual warfare. One is ground level warfare, casting out demons. These signs will follow those that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is just every believer's right to have this authority out of relationship and the born again experience and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can go out and cast out demons. And when you start to do that, you'll run into people that have magical arts, spells. There's so much witchcraft operating today in the nation, specifically our nation in America right now, 
if you look at some of the lyrics and music that people sing and proclaim and declare over their own lives, it's literally spells and curses. And people might laugh at me and say, oh, David, you don't really believe in this. The Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. And I confront and challenge you to read the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. Because if we don't study these things, we're not well equipped on these matters. When you went and got a driver's license, you had to take a test. You had to study for the test. And you have to obey the traffic signs. If not, you get pulled over and you get ticketed or worse. You go down a one-way street and you cause a car crash. We need to read the manual before we go out and drive down the journey of life so we're fully equipped unto every good work. But every good work, every believer's right and authority is to cast out devils, heal the sick, and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. People said this, they said, David, what's the will of God for my life? I said, the Bible is clear on the will of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Well, where should I work? doesn't matter where you work so much as what you're doing as you're working. The Bible says, heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Well, should I be a school teacher? You want to be a school teacher? Be a school teacher. Just make sure you heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, and raise the dead. That's the basic Christianity 101 that Jesus equipped the disciples with. He equipped the 70 with, he equipped the 120 with, and if you're not equipped in that way yet, tonight is your night. You get called into the game. Here I am, coach. Put me in. I don't want lukewarm Christianity. Do you know only 6% of the U.S. population right now believes in a biblical Christianity? Only 6% believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father except by him. Only 6% believe in an 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus died on the cross. He was raised, buried in the tomb, raised from the dead. On the third day, he's God in the flesh. He's the Savior of the world. You need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. You must be born again. Only 6% of the U.S. population believe in a biblical Christianity. And when you believe in a biblical Christianity, you know you get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowerment enables you to... Heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. These signs will follow those who believe, Jesus says. In my name, you will cast out demons. Christianity 101. So I challenge you tonight. I challenge you on audio and on video. I challenge you to enter the realm of the miraculous. Because you're in a spiritual warfare, whether you realize it or not, you might as well be on the winning team. You might as well get the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can go forth in the name of Jesus out of relationship. Not just the title of Jesus, Jesus whom Paul preaches, but Jesus whom you know. In him you live and move and have your very being. If you want that, I'm going to stop and pause right now and pray for you to receive impartation, empowerment, that the mantle of the Lord will rest upon you and you'll be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You don't know Jesus, simply invite him in. And for those who do know him, you can invite him in afresh because he desires to empower you 
to turn the world right side up again because it's upside down. He desires for you to pray that it might be done in earth, in your earthen vessel, even as it is in heaven. He desires to bring revival to your life and your family. And so right now, if you don't know Jesus, I invite you to dedicate your life. Basically turn from your old ways, turn to him and say, Lord, I don't just need you for this or that. I want you. I want you. I want you for who you are. But if you just uh, pray a prayer for fire insurance, it's a great place to start. But we might as well get the fire on the inside of you. To say, Jesus, I turn from my old ways. I turn to you. You are the Savior of the world. You are my Savior. You were hung up for my hang-ups. And now I give you my hang-ups. And I thank you for enabling me to be free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wash me and cleanse me in the shed blood that you shed on the cross 2,000 years ago. Cleanse my mind, my will, my emotions, the old thinking patterns. Some of you are going to go and start deleting some things off your computer and some apps that you know that aren't beneficial for you. The Bible says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world in Romans 12, 1 and 2, but be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind, through the washing of the water of the word of the living God. So if you prayed that prayer, leave a comment. If you prayed that prayer, send us an email, info at virtualchurchmedia.com. We'll get some information out to you. You can also go on virtualchurchtv.com, virtualchurchtv. We've got a discipleship package there where you can start listening to videos. So let's continue on because I want to pray an impartation on you now. That you are empowered to go out and do this stuff. Are you ready? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I release the fire of heaven. I release God's fire from heaven. The fire of the Holy Spirit to come in you now and upon you now. That you might go forth and do the works of Christ. 1 John 3.8 declares, For this cause was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy, utterly annihilate the works of the devil. So I release the power for you to go forth in the name of Jesus, out of relationship with Jesus, out of the leading and directing of the Holy Spirit to go out and to cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead in his name. Amen and amen. We're going to continue on on this vein because there's three arms of witchcraft there's three arms of witchcraft when come with a spiritual empowerment from the dark side and we need to be able to recognize what they are because quite candidly they operate in the church they operate in politics they operate in business and people are utilizing witchcraft which is influencing somebody with any other spirit than the Holy Spirit it happens in advertising it happens in social media it happens and so once we recognize what we're dealing with, we can then navigate through it by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The three arms of witchcraft with demonic empowerment are this, witchcraft, divination, and sorcery. Witchcraft, divination, and sorcery. Witchcraft is the power arm. It operates through spells and curses. Numbers chapter 22, verses 10 through 12. Balaam, the son of Beor, who is a real prophet anointed by God but he liked to prophesy for money 
He liked to make money with his prophetic gift. And that's rampant today in the churches. I come from a full gospel, Pentecostal, third waiver, prophetic, you know, vein. And I have seen more people preach a good message and then when they begin to operate in their prophetic gift, begin to take up offerings or manipulate people for money like a Balaam spirit. What's interesting is this. Uh, Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. He's talking to God. A people that come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. It's interesting. The prophet of God has a relationship with God. He's called by a wicked pagan king to come put a curse on God's people. And he's trying to get permission from God to curse God's people. Is this crazy? Bible. And here's what happens. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. You know, there's people in the body of Christ that will come to you and say, hey, would you pray this prayer? That's not a prayer from God. That's witchcraft. It's manipulation, intimidation, and domination. I call it Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft, some of the prayers that I've heard pray. When my wife and I were getting ready to get married, there was a woman who was attracted to me and it appeared as though she was interested in me. So she got together with two other women and began to pray that my girlfriend, who would later become my fiance, who was not, has been my wife for seven years, they prayed that she would die. And they were Christians. No joke. And that's a true story. And my wife, who's adept in spiritual warfare, she was working out at the gym one day. And she saw this woman's face appear, putting curses on her. And my wife, Joanna, is very powerful in the spirit. You don't want to mess with her, honestly. She literally, the Lord showed her, just flipped that spirit on its back. And she flipped the spirit on the back. And the demon came out of the woman's face and stared at Joanna and then disappeared. Shortly thereafter, that little coven of witches in Christian circles, one was a worship leader, the other one was a pastor, wife of a 600 member congregation and the head Jezebel operating in Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft that was praying in Christian love for my fiance to die so I would be available to get married you, you just can't make this stuff up right she ends up these two break free they come out from under the spell of witchcraft which is being manipulated intimidated or dominated or controlled by any other spirit than the Holy Spirit. And they break ties, and they both call me. And they're in tears, you know, these are the prayers we prayed, and and my wife Joanna had seen this stuff in the spirit, and she communicated with me. Sure enough, months later, this happened. By then, we were married, and uh, happily ever after that it's been. And they said, we're so sorry. I said, well, let me share this with you. You need to not apologize to me. You didn't pray that God would kill me, <laughs> that I would be sick. You prayed that my wife would die. And you need to call her and ask her for forgiveness. If there's true repentance on your side, not only will you call her and ask her to forgive you, but the same amount of hours that you spent for her to die, I'm encouraging you to pray the same amount of hours with the same kind of intensity that she will live and prosper and flourish and be able to be anointed to, be, to fulfill the word and the will of God on her life.
And so they did call and they did, you know, repent, but I don't know that they went into that level of commitment in prayer. So there may have been a partial repentance and uh, anyway, so there you go. So that's 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 witchcraft. Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft in the church. You have so many different ways where people will operate in witchcraft in the church with the gifts of the spirit. They'll they'll prophesy. I mean prophesy, and uh, they're, they're really uh, annoying. I mean anointed, and uh, so you got the prophesiers that are annoying, and they manipulate without the use of physical force. And sometimes you'll even have somebody get up and give a tongue, and somebody else will give the interpretation of tongues to try to manipulate the pastor into something. And it's not the Holy Spirit interpretation and the person even get up by the Holy Spirit to start with. But there are real interpretation of tongues. There are real gift of tongues. There's real prophecy. I don't want to diminish those. And we teach on that. And it's on our website on virtualchurchmedia.com and virtualchurchtv.com. We have good solid teaching there on what really is the gifts of the Spirit, which is different from what is not. Remember, Balaam was anointed by God, yet he wanted to use his gift to curse. You know how Balaam ended? He was so anointed. There's seven oracles in scripture from Numbers chapter 22 to Numbers chapter 25. Seven oracles, seven prophetic words, even of the coming of the king, even the Messiah. So his prophecies are so deadly accurate, they're in canonized scripture for us. Yet he ended up dead, dying as a soothsayer in battle. Soothsayers don't go to the non-smoking section for eternity. They don't go up except for judgment, they go down, where there's no appeals court, party canceled due to fire, Domino's Pizza and Grub Up, doesn't deliver, there's no change of address labels at the post office. This is a serious, serious matter. There's gonna be a lot of people that are in church on Sunday that are gonna wake up in hell one morning. And they're not gonna know how it happened. But I'm telling you, get free. And ask the Lord, go look in the mirror and say, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, if I've operated in manipulation, intimidation, and domination, which is a work of the flesh, and it's been empowered by demons, I come out of agreement with that because I want to go to heaven, not just for judgment. I want to go to heaven and stay. I want to go into the pearly gates. I want to walk on the streets of gold transparent as glass. I want to have the works that you preordained for me from before the foundation of the world revealed and manifested through my life. You know, we're not saved by our good works, but once we're saved by the good work of Jesus on the cross, his works, when he lives in us, will begin to flow through us unto others. If you've never read Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, you can read about the sheep and the goats. What's interesting is... Jesus comes and he separates the sheep from the goats. And he says, I was in prison and you came unto me. I was hungry and thirsty. You came unto me. You gave me water to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And they said, Lord, when did we ever do any of these things for you? We never saw you naked or without clothing or without hunger or thirst or in prison or in the hospital. He said, whenever you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Enter into my father's rest. Come to heaven because your works evidence you were really with me. My life flowed through you in caring for others. Then he'll turn to the goats and they'll say, Lord, when did we ever fail to come visit you, fail to give you food, fail to give you drink, whenever you didn't do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it unto me. 
go into eternal darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's interesting. People say to themselves, well, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. Well, just because you know you go to church on Sunday doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger or, or sleeping in a garage makes you an automobile. A tree is known by its fruit, not by its leaves. A tree is known by its fruit. And if there's no fruit on the tree, it's cast down and put in to the fire. It's a strong message for some reason tonight as it relates to this. So if you name the name of Christ, there should be an outward flow of his life through you. Good works. The power of God being released. The love of the Father being released. You want to go out and meet the needs of others with your gift. You want to see others lifted up. You'll bend over to help pick people up. Religion will cause you to look down at people in a lesser estate. Relationship with Jesus will cause you to reach out to the one and to go after the one sheep that's lost and bring them back to the other 99. So the first level of witchcraft and the first arm of witchcraft is the power arm. It operates through spells and curses and that Balaam is an example. The second arm of witchcraft is divination, which is the knowledge arm, the predictive arm, the revelation arm. In the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits and prophecy. The demonic is a counterfeiter, and it operates in the knowledge arm or predictive arm. It's a counterfeit revelation by familiar spirits. One example is fortune tellers. Another one is when a fortune teller, uh, you go to them, they'll try to pronounce Satan's destiny on you. <coughs> and you'll pay them to do it. And so Acts 16, verse 16, this is interesting. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we met. We were met by a female slave, Acts 16, 16, a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. One 900 psychic line, a little crystal ball reader, false prophetess. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She made them money. You see how money's tied to most of this stuff? One of the things that you can tell when a person's degenerated into witchcraft is a work of the flesh. They're caught up in gold, glory, or girls, or guys, power, position, or prominence. The three G's and the three P's. Gold, glory, girls, or guys, power, position, and prominence. And when those things are present, every other evil work of the flesh will be manifest. There will be all kinds of material items. There will be uh, financial crimes. There will be manipulation of people. There will be false promises. There will be uh, adultery and fornication. There will be compromise with the gospel because demon spirits get involved. And have you ever noticed when flies, they get around something, it's normally rotted food or dogma piles in religion or other things like that. And the devil is called Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. So when demons are around things, they are attracted to things that are in sin or dirty. Angels are attracted to holiness. You can tell where a person's at in their spiritual climate often by whether or not they have angelic activity with the love, the joy, the peace, the mercy, the gentleness, the faithfulness, or the 17 works of the flesh are present in their lives. But occasionally you get a Balaam who operates in both. But remember, Balaam didn't end well. It's not so much how you walk the walk, it's how you end the walk that determines your eternity. As a tree falls, that it shall also remain.
You want to fall into the arms of Jesus and finish the race as a sheep. Bah! Not as a goat. Okay? So, here's what happened. She earned a great deal of money for her owners. Uh, Acts 16, 16, verse 17. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Now, this is a witch or a woman with a spirit of divination, false revelation gifts, familiar spirit. And what did she do? These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She preached an accurate message, but she had a wrong spirit. Even the devil knows when the real message is being preached. She kept this up for many days. Paul, Paul, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit and the woman, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So just because people have a right message about Jesus doesn't mean that they have the Holy Spirit operating through them based upon this scripture. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, mercy, loving kindness, faithfulness. Against these there is no law, but the works of the flesh are evident. So the flesh is witchcraft, and these are the things that happen when you've got that. The flies come, and the demons come. But when you have the fruit of the Spirit, the angels come, the Holy Spirit comes, and you have the love, the joy, and the peace. Sorcery is the material arm. So the first arm is witchcraft, that's the power arm. Number two, divination, that's the knowledge arm or the predictive arm where you get false revelation by familiar spirits. The third arm of witchcraft is sorcery, which is the material arm, things you can touch and feel. It operates through things or objects or articles of affection. Number one would be potions, like a love potion. Love potions are real. You can pronounce words into a potion and then give it to somebody to drink it and it will have an effect. It's a vehicle through which the spell comes. Number two, charms. Rabbit's foot, good luck charms, special stones, etc. Anytime somebody puts a special uh, emphasis on an article or an item, they have a focus on it that is something other than it just being an article. And so we have to be careful. If you're putting faith in an item, it's become potentially a witchcraft item. Talesmans, that's any object that is imbued with protective powers. Sometimes you'll see talesmans and they have prayers written on them. And people will have them and they'll put them under their pillow and this and that, but they're not biblical prayers. Now there's a positive side as well to this because you can lay hands on handkerchiefs and aprons and impart the power of God in them and send them out and people will be healed and demons will be cast out. Paul operated in that. You can anoint oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So these are biblical things, but these are anti-biblical objects. Another one, so we talk about potions, charms, talismans. Number four, drugs. That includes love drugs. People have been slipped a mickey. There's people that have been given drugs, and you know, if you're loose with your, your spirit, you'll be loose with your body. If you're loose with your body, you'll be loose with your spirit. And there's love drugs. And so... 
People end up waking up the next morning and going, what did I do? Witchcraft. It was a drug, pharmakia. And it's a form of sorcery. And number five, so you've got potions, charms, talismans, any object that's imbued with protective powers, drugs, love potions, love drugs, eat music, acid rock lyrics, antichrist lyrics. They're often imbued with spells and self-imposed curses. Have you listened to some of the lyrics and some of the music? And I'm not talking about just this generation. I'm talking about the generation that you grew up in or your grandparents grew up in. Of course it's degenerated and gotten worse and worse and worse. Somebody sent me a video recently. I was shocked at the video and the subject matter. It was no longer hidden and sewn in as, as, as just words. It was completely raw and out there. And I talked to a, a friend of mine who's a prophet and his daughter, I asked her, confronted her about, are you familiar with this song? And she says, I've memorized every word. I'm thinking to myself, your father is a legitimate prophet who loves the Lord, operates in love, but this has taken our children by storm through the medium of television, social media, audio, visual, and memorizing the words and proclaiming Jezebelian empowerment on themselves so they can get the Chanel purse from the guy. And they'll trade something that was precious given to them by God and they use it as a tool and a weapon of manipulation and domination so they can get something of material value. Remember, gold, glory, girls, or guys. Power, position, prominence, or prestige. With G's and the P's. Gold, glory, girls, power, prominence, position, or prestige. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? We're going to close right now. We're going to pray a prayer. And next week, we'll, we'll talk about the seven types of prayer and the different ways in which we can have weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty, spiritual through God, to the pulling down of the demonic strongholds, that we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking and holding us with the fruit of the Spirit, that we are more than conquerors, because we're led by the Spirit of God and we're sons and daughters of God and we go get the chance to release the love of God to a lying, sighing, dying, crying world of destitute humanity in need of a Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friend today. pray for my friends that you would now, as we've seen, we're no longer destroyed from lack of knowledge, but we see biblically what witchcraft is, a work of the flesh that can degenerate into demonic empowerment. Lord, I pray that you would enable them to have dreams and visions from God. They would have a pen and paper. They would write down revelation and that you would show them any area that needs to be repented of or they need to come out of agreement with so we can come into agreement with you so that we can be all we're called to be. I declare that he's looking for a few good men and women. And if you'll say, here I am, Lord, me. He'll change your life. And I want to make a challenge to you today. In the name of Jesus, I want to make this challenge. If you really want God to come in and change you and your family, simply draw a circle around yourself like this. Just go around in a circle. Draw a circle around yourself and say, God, come inside the circle. Bring revival inside this circle. 
one-on-one with you and me. Change me. I give you permission. I don't just need you. I also want you. I want a relationship. Reveal yourself to me. And anything that's not of you, I'm willingly let it go. And I thank you for taking me through the dismantling and the rebuilding process for your glory and that my joy might be made complete and then empower me to go into all the world and share your love with others. You said that prayer, get ready, get ready, get ready. He is answering that prayer beginning now. I'm David Harabini in Virtual Church Media. God bless you. Check us out on Virtual Church TV and share this video with somebody else for this audio. Have a great day.